Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Strugglehood Podcast. I am your host, Jess. And today I am joined by a mama from TikTok who I discovered actually through somebody else on TikTok um, who posted about a project and postpartum journal that they um, had come across that they were talking about. And I was very intrigued and I left a comment on another creator's post and this creator that I'm going to have come on, um, she reached out to me and submitted her info to come onto the podcast for an episode. And so here we are. So I'm going to introduce her in just a minute, but let's get into it. Tawny, I just did my little intro with her prior to jumping back on this recording, but Tawny, say hi. Hello. How was your workout? I know you just let me know that you did a workout. How did that go for you today? I struggle with morning workouts because my baby still doesn't like to sleep through the night. Oh my gosh. How old is is your baby? Well, he just turned one actually this past week. Oh, that's right. Because you, I think you had said that you had um, his birthday party this weekend, right? Yep. On Saturday. So he turned one on Thursday and then we celebrated him on Saturday. Oh my gosh. I feel like the first year just goes by so quick. How many kids do you have in total? I have three. I, oh my gosh. Okay. Same. So I, when I had my third in December of 2021, um, it felt like that first year. And I don't know if it was because it was child number three or because we had a little bit of a gap between baby number two and baby number three. But that first year just felt like it flew by so quickly. And like, we're already approaching my youngest second birthday in December. And I'm like, I don't know where the time went at all. I agree with you. Um, So I had a pandemic baby, as I call him. Yep. <laughs> and he's turning three in August. And I look back at his pictures and I'm like, where did the time go? (laughs) It's crazy because I have been talking to a few of my friends and like even my husband and because like all the restrictions are pretty much gone, like our hospitals where, especially where we had my youngest daughter, um, we, when we had her in 2021, there were still like a ton of restrictions and the, our older kids couldn't come visit. So it was like a very different experience. And now that we're kind of through, I mean, obviously there's still COVID, but like now that we're through the craziness and everything's pretty much back to quote unquote normal, it's like, did that period of time actually happen? Cause that felt like it happened so quickly, but also took forever to get through at the same exact time. I completely agree. It was, something. it was <laughs> wild. So you had, okay. So you had your middle child, right? During the pandemic. Is that what you said? Yes. Mm-hmm. So what was your experience like between your second and your third where you, I mean, you kind of had all experiences, right? You had your, I'm assuming your first before the pandemic, right? Yeah. He's actually turning 11 this year so there's a huge gap oh my gosh oh my gosh okay so we are kind of similar i have an eight and nine year old um who my nine-year-old acts like she's going on like 15 16 it's wild in this house right now um so you had one before during and semi post 
I would say Mm -hmm. 2022 is kind of post what, like, what is, how does it feel having like every experience? It's pandemic wise crazy, but I think it makes you (laughs) extra grateful, like going through the hospital situation with like my second, the whole Mm -hmm. pandemic thing. Mm -hmm. I did not like it at all. Like it was awful personally. I felt like yeah, I definitely struggled a little bit with the restrictions and ter- mostly because, like I said, my older two couldn't come visit. And like, I probably am not ever going to have another child. So I missed out. That was like my vision is I really looked forward to my older kids coming in to see the baby that we've been waiting so long for. And to not have that was really strange for me. Yeah. I, yeah. And I agree with you because when I had my second, my, so my 10 year old, he that's all he wanted was a brother Mm -hmm. and same thing we actually were stuck in the hospital for a week after his birth because he had some issues with oxygen Mm -hmm. so he didn't even get to see him for a whole like week and a half unless it was just like video chat on the phone yeah and that's hard it's hard because it's like you want to be grateful because you have the technology to to be able to do that but Mm -hmm. at the same time it's like it's not the experience like the same experience that you really were kind of looking forward to and for us my daughter was born on christmas eve so i wasn't even home for christmas with my older two um and so she was actually due january 2nd so right after the new year and i was like i just don't want her to come so that i'm not home for christmas and of course that's just naturally (laughs) how it happens but yeah Yeah. And so when you had your son a year ago, like were things still pretty heavily regulated in the hospital or was it, or did you not do a hospital birth? No, I did do a hospital birth and actually it was back to complete like normal for the most part. Um, They had the lower level, like, so the hospital was two levels. It was kind of a smaller hospital. Mm -hmm. So the lower level had to wear masks because that was just like for basic appointments. Right. And then upstairs is where I had the baby and it was kind of like preference so the nurses would come in and they'd ask do you want me to put a mask on Got so it. it wasn't like you know and they didn't make me wear one like with my second they did and I'm like after birth wearing a mask is like no hell on earth no like my <laughs> husband I mean when we had Charlie um who is my youngest in um December of 2021 things were starting to kind of like with masks they were kind of starting to be like okay like we're all kind of over it type thing um mm-hmm. and so like they weren't I had to do like a COVID test when I got there and if I was negative I was fine um and they did let my husband come and go during certain hours I think it was um but he had to like wear a mask and like there were times where like we would forget and people wouldn't say anything and then there were other like different departments that would come in and check on us and they're like you need your mask and I'm like oh my god sorry like I totally forgot this is actually a thing but like it was so like I remember wearing one when I was because I had to have a c-section I remember laying there with this mask like riding up over my eyeballs and like I can't see or breathe and I'm gonna pass away it was awful because I actually had a c-section with my second too and my third but my second was my first c-section and I agree I was like a mask and a c-section like I can't breathe (laughs) No, that was literal hell on earth for me. I did not like it. And like, I fought personally, um, I had just a C-section with my third and I fought tooth and nail to avoid a C-section because our issue with her was she kept going breach, not breach, breach, not like she was just floating around in there and it was 
wild times. And, um, what happened was I went in, I was having an ultrasound every week and I would have like the aversion scheduled to like flip her. Um, cause I really just did not, I was so terrified of having a C-section because of a really bad epidural experience. I wasn't afraid of like the surgery itself. I was afraid of the needle going my back. That was what I was like terrified of. And, um, so I went back there and I just, it was just not, it went fine. Everything went fine, but I fought it so hard. So when we went in to have an induction, because I, they scanned me, they're like, well, she's had down, you're unstable. We're going to send you in to be induced and you're going to have the baby naturally. Well, sister was never coming out that way. She um, had a second water sack that we didn't know about until after they ruptured it on the table. Um, but I had labored for like 48 hours and sister just was not coming out. And it was like, the craziest so like i was already like heightened emotions and then i like finally was like okay just do the c-section i don't care just like i need to be done um and it didn't go as bad as i thought it was going to go everything went fine i think the epidural experience i had with my first and why it went so wrong was the anesthesiologist just wasn't that great and that was a whole thing um but yeah c-section was wild wild times and so i'm assuming for your third you ended up having a plan c-section yeah. So it's kind of an interesting experience with that one. My doctor, I had to switch doctors during the whole process because my insurance and I was like 36 weeks pregnant when I switched. Oh doctor. no. Yes. And my first doctor was the same one that delivered my second. And so she was like, we're doing a C-section. Like, of course. Right. Mm-hmm. She's like, they're so close back to, you know, back to back. She's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to risk the chance of like opening up your wound. Yeah. And so I'm like, I get it. And then my new doctor, I, he was very friendly, but he was just weird. Like even my husband was like, he is so weird. Oh gosh. What was weird yeah. about him? Like just his he, vibes. Yes. Just vibes. Like he was friendly, but he was just like, I'm like, there's something off. <laughs> mm, I know. And I like, I can sniff those like off vibes from a mile away. Yeah. I have like really good intuition. <laughs> yeah. It was just, I don't know. And I'm like, well, at least it's my last baby. But yeah, um, he was like, I want you to try to have um, a natural birth. So like a VBAC. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to do a VBAC because my first doctor who I trust told me don't do that. Mm-hmm. So for pretty much the longest time until my very last appointment with him he was like you need to do be back and I had to like fight him on it and finally he was wow. like okay I'll schedule you a c-section I was like oh man and then I that never, nervous. yeah I have just, never heard of somebody pushing a v-back because I feel like with most unless you're going um like with a midwife or like a doula or mm-hmm. something in that realm I feel like most hospital doctors push for a c-section after yeah. you've already had one like that is so strange to me it was it was very weird and i was like my husband's like just go with your gut he's like if you think oh, yeah. that you need a c-section because you know there's stories that you could potentially bleed out having a v-back mm-hmm. so i was like i'm terrified of the c-section just because like you know when it's planned it's different it's like you gotta <laughs> yeah i don't know i'd say because my second one was an emergency one mm-hmm. and my third one was planned and i'd say the third one was in ways almost scarier because you have to walk to the operation room and it's like you know what's happening and I don't know it's kind of different but any day I was like yeah no we're doing a c-section I'm not risking it like no no I don't blame you at all so we're not gonna have a fourth kid we are in 
motion to like get that all situated um to not have any more kids and it's crazy because actually after we brought our youngest home we were like in that like honeymoon phase of like the high like riding the high mm-hmm. of just having a newborn and we were like oh we're gonna have a fourth and quickly we were like yeah no that's it that we are good <laughs> um but i have a couple of friends so two of my best friends taylor and Allie, they actually both had c-sections for their first um and they were both pretty pretty much emergent they weren't scheduled they were emergency sections and mm-hmm. my best friend taylor she actually just had her second child via scheduled c-section the day before on the 4th of July. So very new baby. Oh, yeah. And I haven't had the chance to like really talk to her through everything yet. Cause when we went to go visit, there was just a ton of people. Um, but I'm anxious to ask her and like, kind of see, like ask her experience of like, did you like going back? Like, cause obviously there's the pros of like, okay, you know, when you're going to have the baby, that's kind of yeah. cool. But also it's like, like you said, you're not, in a like your mind is so clear that like you're taking it all in and it is like a different perception and very kind of scary like I remember when I went in to have my c-section I did walk back because I had just by the time they started Pitocin again I actually wasn't feeling anything it was the craziest experience um so I walked myself back and they wouldn't let my husband go back and I was terrified and I just remember things being so cold and sterile where like if it's an emergency situation you're just being rolled back and they're like on their game getting it done Mm -hmm. um So, yeah, I can see how that might be like a totally different experience, even though you had already done it before. That's wild. Yeah. And it was kind of weird, too, because like with my emergency one, I had already had the epidural like in the room, you Mm -hmm. know, where it's like a little bit more comfortable. And then when you go to do it like planned, Mm -hmm. they walk you to the operation room and then you have to have the epidural done in that like white Mm -hmm. (laughs) cold room and it was just i don't know it wasn't preference for sure i had a panic attack no i get it i had a panic attack and like i had said so i had fought c-section tooth and nail because when they were like starting to tell me like hey this girl is breached you probably are gonna have to have a c-section i was hysterical i was the most hysterical i think i'd ever been in my life um Cause I just, I didn't want that just because yeah. I didn't want anything going in my spine. And so right. when I walked back there and they're like, Oh no, your husband can't come in. I was like, are you shitting me right now? Like I literally <laughs> can't do this. And thankfully my nurse was so freaking, she was amazing. I remember her very clearly. Her name was Caroline. Caroline, if you're listening to this ever, I love you. XOXO. <laughs> um, she was just amazing. She walked me through it. She held me. She's like, just lean on me, squeeze my hands. And it was just so much better than I had it like pictured in my head, which is sometimes worse, right? Like if you're in an emergency situation, you don't have time to plan out like worst case scenario. And I'm like, I'm going to end up paralyzed. I'm not going to be able to walk again for six weeks. Like it was just all in my head more than anything, but, oh, oh my gosh. So tell me what was the postpartum situation like for each child? Cause before we get too far, you created a journal for postpartum mothers called is it beautiful untapped is that the, the name of the journal yes mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit i'm so intrigued and i love the idea because i had very different situations with each of my kids um and i didn't even think to try to like utilize a tool like this so walk me through how you came up with this journal um, what kind of sparked it, how it's going, your postpartum experiences. I want to know all the details about it, if you're willing to share with me. Yes. So with my first, I actually did not 
in any way experience postpartum mm-hmm. like depression or anxiety and then with my second um of course I had like the baby blues mm-hmm. and then it went away and so I was like okay you know and then I noticed getting sad and like I'd cry in the shower for like hours mm-hmm. and it was just things like that and I was like what is going on because you know it's it is hard to recognize and that is one of the yeah. biggest things that needs to be said is a lot of mothers don't even know they have it mm-hmm. they'll kind of Very question like, what's going on but they never go to that especially when it's happened or when it's happening to them like months after birth mm-hmm. And that's what had happened is it was like four months after when it hit me. And I was like, my husband started to notice that like I'd get out of the shower and I'd start crying and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no. And I don't know what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he was a su- supportive in that sense. Cause he was like, well, I can't help you because like, I don't know what's wrong, but I'm here. Like, yeah, you can lean on me. You can cry to me. You can talk to me. And he's like, but I think you need to call your doctor. And so I called my doctor. And this is where it kind of like (laughs) was the switch for me. So I called my doctor and she was like, "Um, well, let's get you in for your six week checkup. That's what it was. It was six weeks. Cause she's like, let's get you in for your six week checkup, make sure everything's Mm -hmm. okay. Um, And I was like, okay. And she's like, and then we can evaluate you then. Mm -hmm. So I go in for my checkup and they do the physical. And then it was like, okay, you can go home now. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's ever experienced it, like you're not necessarily comfortable with the fact that you have postpartum depression or anxiety, you almost, yeah, it's, it's really uncomfortable to even acknowledge yeah. or like admit yes. like something's wrong. And I know for me to the point of like the six week checkup or like whatever kind of checkups I had with my doctor and they had you fill out that questionnaire. I don't want to put something on there. That's going to make them like commit me or something like, or think I'm a bad parent. Like I was really afraid of like what they were going to think if I had put, yeah, I'm having really awful thoughts. Like I'm feeling sad. Um, maybe not connecting with my baby. Like, what does that say about me? That's where I was like, Mm -hmm. not wanting to be truthful on my paperwork. Yeah, no. And I agree with that. But that's what's weird is my doctor didn't even give me that. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so I didn't have a conversation like nothing. And so then I was like, well, I'm not going to bring it up because I thought I already did on the phone. So I went home and the very next day I had my son's first checkup. Mm -hmm. And so I took him in and his doctor, I'm like his pediatrician noticed something was off with me. So he brought, yeah. And so he brought in a paperwork, which is similar to that one you're saying, but it wasn't like as harsh, I guess, in a word, words, Mm -hmm. it was more like, just how are you doing? And it was like in depth of me. Mm -hmm. And I wrote on there. And of course I wasn't as truthful because, you know, same thing. You're like kind of worried. And so based off just even those answers, he came in a minute later and he was like, so you're not doing okay and I was like yeah "Yeah." thanks for noticing (laughs) yeah and so then from there he's like I think that you should call your doctor and I was like I felt like I was in this like circle because I'm like Mm -hmm. well I just saw my doctor yesterday Mm -hmm. and so he was like well I'll call your doctor so he called my doctor and then she had a nurse call me and she was like based off talking to you know 
your son's pediatrician, we are going to diagnose or not diagnose you. We're going to prescribe you some pills to help without even actually talking to you. Yes. And I was like, I don't want to go that route because, and no knocking on anyone who takes that route. Of course. But yeah, my, no. yeah, my sister-in-law did that. And cause she also experienced really bad postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I have to do something. So she did the pill route and she was like, the whole time I felt like a zombie. And she's like, yes. and then when I decided to stop taking them, she's like, I realized that I was faced with the same problem and I had to just figure out how to start healing. And I was like, yeah, there's gotta That's- be something. There's got to be something. Yes, exactly. And what's frustrating about the pill route is like, I am very much like modern medicine. I believe in medicine. I believe in science. But the problem with that I've at least noticed and it kind of experiences pills also don't take effect right away. It takes adjustment. And there's might be one that makes Mm -hmm. or exacerbates the symptoms that you're having 10 times worse, especially when like suicidal thoughts is like one of the side effects you Mm -hmm. might not know. Is that my depression? Do I need a higher dose or is that just the pills? And that's where the whole medication route really gets tricky, especially with postpartum, because I mean, I don't know if you know about that national case that happened, you know, months ago or even at the end of last year where that mom was going through some psychosis issues. And it's like, okay, are some of these issues from the medication or are they really rooted in something else? And that's when you're just given a prescription and then kind of left to your own devices to figure out your shit from there. It's like, we're not equipped Mm -hmm. to do that. Most normal people are not. I want, and I don't want to say normal as in like a negative connotation, but like right, most no. people are not equipped or have the support that they need to be able to figure out a medication like that. And especially where it took a pediatrician versus the person who helped you, you know, birth a human and it yes. has the most experience with the mother or the birth having person. It's just like, that's, I, I feel sad that that was just like, oh, here's a prescription. Like that happens so often. It's just not okay. Yeah, it it was it kind of, like I said, it was the first time I had ever experienced it. So for me, I was like, this is the only situation I know. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, this can't be normal. Like this can't be what women are or mothers are experiencing. Mm -hmm. So I remember going home, like after the conversation with her and I was just like, I, there's gotta be something. So I sat on the computer and I started like researching things. And then the journal kind of, I guess, almost happened like accidentally because I Mm -hmm. took a notebook out And I just started like the things that you'll see in the journal is we give you like a small routine because when you're a mom, first time mom, second time mom, whatever it is, it always throws off your routine, Mm -hmm. which I feel like kind of throws off your emotions because it's like, you're used to something now you're not doing it. And it's like, everything just feels weird. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we start you off like a really, just really small routine. And we even Mm -hmm. say like in there, do what you can. Don't feel pressured. Like just do what you can. Mm -hmm. So it's like as simple as try to take a shower, go for Mm -hmm. a walk, read a book. And we actually give you book recommendations. I love that. Um, And so it's really small. And then on the very bottom, we have what we call baby steps. Mm-hmm. which is just small goals for the day like whatever that is and when I say small I mean small like some of mine were like try to pump two ounces mm-hmm. try to get up 10 minutes earlier just little things that make you feel better so like if you can get up before the baby to just collect your thoughts 
if you can get up to make yourself coffee, like when I say like little baby steps, start off as small as you want or as big as you want, but that's how it was. And so I did that actually just in a basic notebook for so long. Yeah. And then my sister-in-law was still experiencing postpartum. Mm -hmm. And so I had given her my notebook and I was like, just try this. And she started feeling better. And I was like, okay, I got to make something. And so then I started like jotting ideas down and putting everything together. And this is where it's kind of like, obviously meant to happen. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I was friends with someone on Facebook and she had created like, so she's very business oriented and she had created this journal for business people. Like very, like if you're trying to get you know, clients. It was like that type of journal, like step-by-step mm-hmm. guide. And I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I'm just curious. And it was just funny. Cause it was right. As I was like trying to figure this out. Yeah. I was like, I'm just curious. Like, did you like, how did this get started? Mm-hmm. And she was just so open. She's like, yeah, here you go. And she sent me this person's name and email and she was able to design the cover for me. And then she took my notebook. Cause she's like, well, can you send me your notebook? And I sent it to her. And so she took that and she put it into basically what we see today. So how it's formatted. I love that. Yeah. And then she was like, let's get it published. And so, yeah, it was obviously, like I say, meant to be. (laughs) No, I listen, I think that is one of the most incredible creations ever. And it's something like anybody could have thought of it, but there's not anything hard copy for like you can find like templates and shit on like etsy or pinterest or whatever but like Mm -hmm. it's different when you have a physical thing to be able to reference to and i think the idea is something that needs to be utilized by everybody and i think so do you know jordan personally because i think that's how i found you was on jordan the twerking moms tiktok do you know her personally not personally no um so same thing we kind of met just through um mom talk I guess you could say Mm -hmm. (laughs) she saw my journal and she was like that's so cool and then I was like well do you want me to send you one and she was like yeah I'd love to see it you know she's like I have a lot of moms that follow me yeah and so then her and I kind of just developed a little bit of a friendship through that I so that's I through her TikTok is how I found your journal um and I saw that and I was just I just remember the feeling of like having a little bit of hope out there because I, I don't know if I was, so my situation to give you a kind of little bit of a background of my experiences with postpartum. So I have three different distinct situations with each of my children. So they, um, my first two children's fathers decided that they were not ready to be dads. Um, my daughter's biological father just kind of pieced out, said, no, thank you. And I said, all right, fine, whatever, I'll do it myself. And you would think that being a young single mom at 20 years old with a newborn by yourself would be where I would have the most depression, but that was like the easiest experience for me out of all three of them, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, with my son's father, unfortunately, that was an abusive relationship. And that is the situation where I'm not sure to this day if I truly had postpartum depression or if it was just situational depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember being at my six weeks postpartum appointment and filling out the questionnaire. And my doctor was like asking me, like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, well, not great, but like, I don't know if it's yeah. because my child's father is abusing me or if it's because I'm actually having some postpartum depression or if it's like a combination of the two. Um, 
And so like, I look back and I'm like, you know, that relationship ended when my son was about a month old. Um, and so I, I, was able to exit that relationship. And then I was a single mother of two. And I tell everybody like at that point, I was just on autopilot. They were 13 months apart. I had a one-year-old and a newborn and I was by myself. I was recovering from being a victim of domestic violence and I was dealing with courts. And so like, I still don't truly know if that was postpartum, but even if it wasn't postpartum, like even right now, I'm going to buy that journal and I'm going to utilize it because as a mom, I think whether it's what you created, whether it's a freshly postpartum or even when your kids are like five, six, seven years old, yep, yep. I think the tools that you offer in that journal are so valuable because some days I find myself not remembering to shower, not remember, remembering to eat till 3 p.m., um, mm-hmm. struggling to just figure out how to be a good parent in a world where everything seems to be against you. Um, yep. And so when I saw Jordan's TikTok promoting that, I'm like, this is just the one of the most genius yet I don't want to say simple, but like you would think that like journaling would be more talked about and like having something available to talk about like small steps, because I feel like with parenthood, you have a lot of pressure to perform. You have a lot of pressure to pump the milk, to breastfeed, to be successful with that. You have the pressure of just putting on this glamorous life, which is what I feel like is the unfair side of TikTok is you don't see the real side of things sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being able to be reminded and having a visual of like, okay, just remember to eat breakfast. If that's all you get done today, that is a step in the right direction. And like, I know, like, for example, we just started like chore charts and reward charts and like having a physical visual for my kids to be able to check off things. And it's like, it's, that's essentially the same thing, but you're, it's like, who knew, who knew parents could use this so much? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so genius. Like we, so speaking of like something visual, we even have like your, um, end of month reflection page. So Mm -hmm. we ask you questions and it's just, it's nice to use. Cause I used it in the sense of like, you go back to the previous month and you see how much you've grown and you don't realize because you're, like you said, sometimes you're just like in this flight mode. And Mm -hmm. so you don't realize how you are growing. And when you have it in this journal, you can go back and you see, and you're like, wow, okay. Like I am making progress because sometimes it's just something as simple as that. That kind of helps you realize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And And I think that's something that like you, a lot of new parents forget about is like, there is going to be an end to the hard times. And, you know, like I said, or like we both said at the beginning, that first year of life goes by so quickly, but when you're in the thick of it and you're not doing self-care and you're not doing things for you and you just feel like you're all consumed by this little tiny human who needs you, Mm -hmm. it's like your whole identity flips on its head. And I mean, just, I, I love the idea of like the month reflection because small habits start becoming into newer habits. And then like just having a cup of coffee in the morning, like reminding yourself that it's okay to have that cup of coffee and to sit or like to go take a shower. Eventually that's going to become a habit. And then you can start working on the next task or any, you know, something like that. And I just Mm -hmm. think that's so powerful. And it's like, speaking of like that, like your identity, that was another reason of it is whether you're going through postpartum or not, when you're mm-hmm. a mom, you completely lose your identity. It yep. just it happens. And I said something and some people, they take it how they want. But mm-hmm. when you're a mom and I stand by this as a mom who completely like put herself last, 
mm-hmm. completely lost like my identity, had no hobbies. I since doing this journal, I am a hundred percent believer that you have to come first. So you're not yep. gonna continue to help your family. You can't continue to help your family if you're pouring from this empty glass constantly. Yep. So you have to make yourself the most important and then everyone else has to come after you. No, I 1000% agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, a lot of people, some, some moms take it how they want, but I think that it's so important. And I remember I had a job interview and this was before I like made the journal Mm -hmm. and they had asked like, you know how they ask like, what's your hobbies? And I was like, um, being a mom, I guess, like, because yeah. I didn't have any, I was like, I don't know. Like, and no, it's, it's kind of funny that that's what happens is you just completely lose yourself. And you're like, wait, what is my hobbies? What do I do for fun? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it's so funny because I've had this conversation recently. Um, I don't even remember who I've talked to about it, but I mean, that's essentially the reason why I started this podcast is because I feel like my whole identity has been wrapped up for almost a decade of being a mom and doing the best job that I could as a young mom. Um, and you know, even my career, my, I'm a wedding photographer full-time. That's what I do. I have a small business doing photography and, um, you know, even that went from being a hobby to a career And between these two things, people are like, you know, what do you, what do you love to do? And I'm like, well, you know, I like to take photos, but like, that's my job. And then, um, you know, I'm a mom and, you know, I really love being a mom, but like I, outside of that, I don't really know what I like to do. And I really am passionate about being a mom, but I also like to connect with other people about, the struggles of it and like the everyday things and like what it's, you know, what you're struggling with outside of being a mom. And I feel like there's not enough people who are out there just connecting with real world people. Cause it's like on TikTok, right. You get stuck in that mm-hmm. in the, you get sucked into the vortex of like everything looking a certain way and everything appearing a certain way. And like, I'm just not that type of mom. Like I'm never going to be the type of mom. To, it doesn't matter if I have a mansion or a shack, I'm never going to look presentable the way that everybody <laughs> else looks presentable. Like that's just not me. So when you message me this morning, you're like, yeah, so do I have to like have camera on? I was like, absolutely not. But like, if you want to look disheveled, like I do, please come as you are. Um, and so like, that's the reason behind this podcast is I just want to connect with people about anything and everything. And you know, cause I'm very much a people person and my husband's more like on the introverted side mm-hmm. and, you know, you can only talk to your partner about the same things over and over again before you're like, yep. you're kind of like running out of things to talk about. But, um, yeah. So like this podcast idea is like my new, what I'm passionate about, what I like to do, what I want to do more of. Um, and like outside of that, you know, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll start doing like cross stitching or something. Cause I did that when I was a kid and I really liked it. And, but it's, it's just hard when like a lot of days I feel like I'm struggling to even find time to just sit down and not be occupied by work or the kids or this Mm -hmm. or that. Um, And so I know that you talked about, or I saw somewhere that you have other journals in the making. Is that right? Yeah. So we are actually making a total of four. So each journal we start out, so if you purchase this journal, you'll see it's kind of like your slow ease back into mm-hmm. whatever it is like I say growing healing it's slow we give you like the self-care bingo mm-hmm. you know the writing prompts the books and then as each journal comes out it kind of tackles a little bit more we get I a little that. bit harder because you got to dig a little bit harder inside to grow 
yeah to heal and that's the thing is I try to tell moms like when they do purchase the journal I'm like understand that you will start to probably cry a lot more Mm -hmm. because you're healing you're starting to actually the heal process is not easy Mm -hmm. it actually sometimes feels worse yeah yeah I mean it can suck to look back at all that it really is yeah yeah. No, I, I, I agree with what you're saying 100% because there are times where like I'm in therapy and I'm talking about like childhood trauma shit and mm-hmm. I just like, I'll be fine. And then suddenly I'm like hysterical and I'm like apologizing to my therapist and I'm like, I'm so <laughs> sorry for crying. And she's like, no, like, that's good. Like this bothers you. We need to work through it. And, you know, crying absolutely sucks and it's an energy suck and it just nobody wants to just cry about their problems but like sometimes that's like the release you need in order to like kind of see clearly like okay this is what i'm going to do i feel better now like it really does have a real like some kind of crazy release sometimes where you're just like oh i just need to get that out of my system for a minute which is funny you say that so one of our like daily routine things is it says take 45 minutes out to fill your emotions Mm-hmm. And I say that or I put that in there because every day I would allow myself like 30 to 45 minutes. If I wanted to cry, I'd cry. Like I'd go in the shower and I would cry. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of part of like my healing process. <clears throat> and then I remember it was towards the end of like where I was coming out of my post- postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, you're going to go in the shower and you're going to cry. And I was like, I don't need to cry I was like I feel fine and it was the kind of turn that curve yeah it was the weirdest thing but I think if you want to cry if you need to cry that's actually really important in like your healing process whatever you're feeling Mm -hmm. fill it out for 45 minutes set some time aside and let yourself completely feel whatever you're feeling I love that because I feel like a lot of people are afraid to show their emotion i mean kind of talking or referencing back to what we said about like well you don't want to show the doctors that you have a problem because like how are they going to interpret that you have like what your problems are um Mm -hmm. and like i feel like sometimes the perception of me crying is like maybe i'm just being dramatic or like i'm you know for me when i cry i feel annoying about it like because i used (laughs) to cry all the time and like now so like now when i'm crying i feel self-conscious but like Mm -hmm. i do there are times where like I'm driving down the road and I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I'm like, I know I just need to cry. So I'll put on like an old Taylor Swift song that used to make me cry when I was a teenager or, mm-hmm. you know, I would, I will put on music and I'm, I'll just cry for like a half hour driving to where I need to go. And then I'll get there. And I'm like, wow, that was refreshing. I just needed yeah, to do that. Yeah. And then I don't cry for like another six weeks. And it's like, all right. Sometimes we found, we found it. it. Yep. Yeah. Like said, no, that's, I think that's important to like, add that in there because a lot of parents I feel try to just mask their emotions and they forget that like they're human like emotions are okay here human emotions are a real thing and you know especially for like you know there's a stigma where like guys aren't allowed to cry if you're a guy fucking cry who cares like exactly we don't want you know everyone's gonna cry every once in a while so I love that um is what is the four like have you started working on the other journals yet yeah so i am in the middle of working so basically the second one's done um Mm -hmm. but i'm trying to get the third one as well because i want to release them within like a month of each other and 
it is a long process with like design and just all that. So like I said, the second one's done, but we're going on the third one. And the goal of it is to, with all four journals is Mm -hmm. to give you two years of healing. Oh, wow. Okay. Covering you for two years. Like whether you think you need it or not, you want it or you don't like it's, you know, I think it's important because one, one mom said something to me and I was like, yes, I love that. She was like, this journal is perfect for any season of motherhood you're in. Yeah. And that's pretty much the takeaway that I took. And when I saw Jordan share it, I was like, I'm not depressed necessarily. I'm not in Mm -hmm. a postpartum phase, which first of all, postpartum, that postpartum phase can last for a really long time, which I think a lot of people don't understand. Um, But I don't feel necessarily the postpartum depression, but I Mm -hmm. definitely have times where I'm like struggling and have like, probably just like your generical depression. And like, again, I just, I think those prompts can be useful for anybody. And I saw that I'm like, Charlie is, you know, a year, almost a year and a half old. And I think that is like something that I definitely could have used in the beginning, but I definitely could still use now. Um, And I think the two year journey will be like a good thing to try to like have a goal for yourself to just carry it out. Even if you don't make it the full two years, you know, mm-hmm. how cool will that be to at the end of two years, look at and see like how different of a person you are. Cause like even six months, a person changes. Like I am not oh, yeah. the same person I was a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Like it's crazy how often people change. No, I agree. And something that I noticed. So in the third journal, actually it, this is where it starts to get a little bit like we're digging deeper. Mm-hmm. So I after doing like a lot of research, I have tied that sometimes a traumatic birth can lead to postpartum depression. Like you can have a higher chance of getting it. Mm -hmm. So in the third one, we actually go through some like writing prompts and things about that. So like if you've had a traumatic birth, because I know like with my I'd say for a while I thought my first one was just because he came so early but Mm -hmm. I worked through that and then I think my second one was a traumatic birth Mm -hmm. and I think that that tied it to my postpartum depression and so we work on it in the third one because I do think it is I wanted to put it in the second but I felt like it was almost too harsh when you're still healing Mm mm-hmm So we put it in the third, but like I said, and a lot of mothers might not even think that they have that until all of a sudden they go and they reflect on the birth of their child and they start crying or they start feeling like weird type of emotion. Like a lot of mothers have a traumatic birth. They really do. It's, it's trauma to the body. And when the body has a trauma, it can sit there for a long time. Like you have to get it out. You have to work it out. Yeah. mm -hmm. Well, and I think another misconception is, um, and this is something that I've talked to my therapist about, because I'm very big on mental health and therapy. And even if you don't believe in therapy, just finding something, whether it be journaling or exercising or Mm -hmm. anything, you know, something therapeutic um, to help you through things. And one of my, one of the things that my therapist had to really, I feel like it was kind of a struggle for her to get me to realize this is something can be, can seem very insignificant, but it can still be traumatic. It can still trigger traumatic responses. And if you're not addressing it, then it's just festering and it's going to come out at some point, whether it be now in five years and five months and 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause we would talk about things and she'd be like, well, that's, 
a traumatic experience, don't you think? And I was like, no, like that's barely anything. And she's like, why are you comparing your traumatic experience to somebody else's? And I'm like, well, you got me there, doc. Like, (laughs) geez. Um, And so it's like, I feel like the word trauma and traumatic has been kind of desensitized and like watered down by society, but it's like, it doesn't, being traumatized doesn't have to be some big grand crazy thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. not like you got into a car accident. Yes, that's traumatic. But like being in a car accident can also be traumatic, but also, you know, just my epidural experience was very traumatic for me. And that's why I had such a hard time with the idea of a C-section because of the needle in my back Mm -hmm. and what that did to me. Um, And so I think that's important for people to kind of work through and like reflect on because it's always going to be there. It's always going to be a part of your story, but like, if you're not addressing it, that's affecting you to like in you, your ability to be the best person, the best version of yourself. Oh, it is. And like speaking on like the epidural, even like, so yeah, for like your mind and whatever, that was traumatic and a hundred percent it is. Mm -hmm. But when I was doing like my research and I would go and I talk with other doctors, it's also just trauma to the body. And that itself also can trigger something in your Mm -hmm. mind. And so it's like, when you hear that, you're kind of like, what? Like, yeah, it's traumatic to your body, but you think like when you, cause you, with society telling you you're, you heal in six weeks, you're like, okay, well, I should be good within six weeks. Yeah. But what that's done is that's caused a major trauma to your body that mm-hmm. no, it's not healed. Like, <laughs> no. And it, look how many traumatic events people go through and it takes them years to be able mm-hmm. to get through it. And like, it is very much like a twofold. You have the mental aspect of it, but you also have the physical aspect of it. And like, there are things that can trigger a physical response in your body, which then triggers a mental response in your Mm -hmm. body or in your mind. Um, And it's like, it's a domino effect. So if you're not learning or finding ways to cope and understand and come to terms with it, because ultimately you, you know, when these things do happen, you have to come to terms with the fact that that did happen to you, that these things, you did experience that. And um, I feel like that's where I feel uncomfortable sometimes talking about the things that have happened to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Because A, I'm not trying to just seem like a victim in everything bad that happens in my life. But, um, you know, there I have to own it. I have to take, because I can't, there's nothing I can do to go back and change any of it. So, you know, learning to live with it, learning to sit with it and learning to get through it is really important. And it doesn't, it takes a lot longer than six weeks. And I wish, I wish we could change that in society. Because like, even, you know, maternity leave is you know 12 weeks in unfortunately the country that we live in and it's like you need a lot more than 12 weeks to learn how to be a mother to adjust to taking care of your first baby your second baby your third baby your fourth baby to just adjust to everything and I just feel like there's not enough time or there's that pressure of not enough time I mean we can take all the time in the world that we need to but there's this the pressure of everything else around us that eats at us and it seems like every facet and it's hard to deal with no, I agree. I think it truthfully, I think it's sad. I'm like, I feel like at bare minimum, we should be giving moms like six months mm-hmm. with their child. That's like bare minimum. Yep. You know, I'm like, to me, it's sad. And like, as you know, you went through a C-section as I did as well. And I feel like with that healing for me personally, mm-hmm. I still don't feel normal. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, just the other day, I was like, I could feel 
my C-section area, like it felt funny to me. Like when I turned over in bed, like it just, it pulled a certain way. And I'm like, oh, there's another reminder that I had to go through that. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with going through a C-section whatsoever, but it's, it's a different experience. And that Mm -hmm. is one that just doesn't heal the way that like a vaginal birth might heal. Like you don't just snap back from that. Like that's with you forever. That scar is with you forever. And it's like, oh shit, (laughs) that was crazy. I didn't know this fully until I had my last baby. So I had like, you know, another C-section. Apparently Mm -hmm. when you have multiple C-sections, it's harder for that scar to close. Yep. And so speaking of like, if I had to, cause you know, luckily I'm in a place where I was making enough from this journal that I didn't have to go back to work. That's amazing. If I would have, I don't, I would have had to take so much time off because my scar opened up probably like for the first seven months just constantly I would have to like it heal for like a week and it opened back up and then another spot would open up and then and it was just like a constant thing and I'd call my doctor and he's like you just have to put you know some cleaning stuff on it and bandage it up and it should be fine and that's the only thing they can do unless it gets worse yeah, that is so scary because it's like we're not medical yeah. doctors. What if it's infected and I don't know about it because I, I can't guess. feel it? And so then I think I'm like, well, what if I would have had to go back to work and I have this just open? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole. I'm like, we've got to do more for mothers. Like it's not just some small little thing we're doing. <laughs> no, it's like, well, first of all, we carry these dang kids and us for nine months, and we suffer in that capacity because it is not a cakewalk. I don't care who you are. Like I had three relatively easy pregnancies and it was still not a freaking cakewalk. So like you deal with it for nine months and then it's like, Oh, you're six weeks postpartum. Like you're good. You're fine. It's like, no, we're literally not physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, nothing. We are not okay at six weeks. (laughs) Like we're bleeding. Our bank accounts are draining. Like, no, we're not good. Yeah, no, not swell over here, doc. Like I'm telling you right now, I am on the edge of not glory. Um, so I know that you said towards the beginning that your husband, your husband, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Your husband um, was like kind of supportive in the sense of like, okay, I think you need to call your doctor. What's going on? Like, how can I help you? How, um, how has he been through this journey with your journal and all that? Has he been a part of the design, the creation of it? Or like what, how has he been through all of it? So he has just kind of like, let me do my own thing, but he loves like looking at it, watching it, like see my progress with everything, Mm -hmm. but he kind of just knows. So like in the sense of that, like him and I are very different. Like I've always kind of been like the entrepreneur. I've had that spirit. I've always, you know, where he has always kind of been like, I need to work a nine to five, which is Mm -hmm. totally fine. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of funny because as he's watched me in this journey with this journal, um, so he currently does like bathroom remodels for a company. Oh, no way. That's cool. Yeah. And so as he's watched me kind of like launch this company and do all this, he's kind of coming more to the side of like, I think I want to get my license and start my own company. I'm like, that's what you want to do. You should do it. (laughs) Absolutely. No, I'm the same way. I'm like, all like, I have a bunch of friends, family who have all all talked about like starting their own business in some capacity, like in whether it be something similar to what I'm doing or completely different. And I am so on board with that stuff because I created my photography business that um, has been a main source of our income for 
you know, the entirety of our marriage almost. Um, and I do it full time. So, so yeah. And I started that business from $0. I just started it as a hobby. And then I slowly started working my way up. And then in 2017, I said, okay, I'm going to drop out of my college program and I'm going to take this full time and see what happens. And thankfully it's worked out in my favor. Um, but it is incredibly hard, but anytime I see, anybody who are, who has the idea of like, Oh, I want to do this freaking go for it. Cause you literally mm-hmm. don't know what's going to happen. Yep. That's how I feel. I'm like, just go for it. 1000. Like, um, yep. before this journal, I, cause I had the idea of this company like for a while, I just didn't know, like, I didn't know where I wanted to take it. Mm-hmm. I just knew I wanted mothers to feel beautiful after birth and feel good. And it was like, for the longest time. So when I say like, if there's something out there you want to do, do it because this company failed multiple times Mm -hmm. before I landed what I really was meant to do. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Um, do you think that you and your husband might come up with like a supportive partner journal, even if it's like a mini version, do you guys think that you might do something like that? It's funny you say that. We actually kind of thought about that because he was like, I don't know how to help you. Mm-hmm. And I always kind of thought, I'm like, well, maybe if they had something that like we worked together and it was like a a bonding, growing, helping, you know, like yeah, within a couple or whatever, even if it's not a couple version, it could be just even like <clears throat> whoever's your supporting system. Absolutely. I think that would be so important for your, like to have something that like a, you can do together and like, kind of, you know, okay, we're going to sit down. I'm going to do my 30 minutes of journaling. You're going to do your 30 minutes of journaling Mm -hmm. and just have something, even if it's not like an everyday thing, but something that the supportive partner can kind of have as like a reference to like check themselves, because I think it's also lost in a lot of people that like the supportive partner, um, does also go through a lot. I mean, they didn't go through the trauma mm-hmm. of birth giving, but it also can be a lot to like when, you know, I'm experiencing postpartum, but my husband's like, I don't know how to freaking help you. Like, and I'm yep. like, I don't know how you can help me either. Cause I don't really even know what's going on. So, yep. um, you know, I think that that would be super cool. And I know that my husband would probably be like very into that, even though, like I said, our youngest is a year and a half now, but, um, you know, I think that he would appreciate something like that as well. And, you have my vote. I definitely would buy that. <laughs> yep. No, um, I, I think it'd be a good thing, honestly. For sure. Um, another thought or question that I um, have, because I'm so intrigued by all of this. I love your ideas. I love this. I'm going to definitely buy your journal. Um, are you going to put anything together or like have a section about coming to terms with your last child? Yes, actually. I'm glad you say that. So that is going to be... And I haven't decided what journal because it's hard because I'm like, I'm going through that right now. So I don't know if I'm going to put it in the fourth, probably it would make the most sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I am because that is extremely hard. And I've noticed that. Um, And even when you're having your last child and you're going through all those moments, it almost, again, kind of triggers something Mm -hmm. like an an emotion. And you almost (sighs) like, I feel like if I wasn't fully healed from my postpartum depression, Mm-hmm. having my last child could have brought that back. Like it could have triggered it's, those emotions and brought it back. It's a different um, kind of yes. beast that I wasn't personally prepared for. Yes, it really, really is. And even when you're going through it, when I say like, unless my husband's vasectomy fails, we're never mm-hmm. having another child and I have to accept right. that. Yeah. So it's like, 
It really is. Cause there's moments where you sit there and you just want to cry. Cause you're like, Oh my gosh, my child's one. I'm never going to experience this, this, this again. Mm-hmm. You see the hospital photos and you're like, I'm never going to be giving birth again. And it's just like, I've jotted a lot out on like my empty pages in my journal mm-hmm. in regards to those emotions. So I'm a hundred percent. We are actually going to put something in there because I'm, I've gone back and forth about actually dedicating the fourth journal almost to that entirely. Mm-hmm. Or if I come out with a whole separate journal, that's like your last child type thing, you know? No, that is like, that would, Oh, I just got goosebumps thinking about that. Cause I, always said I don't want to have kids in my 30s and I my first child um, I got pregnant at 19 had her at 20 um, I had a failed birth control for the second time and that's how I ended up pregnant so quickly with my son and they're 13 months apart um, so I started my motherhood journey very very young and mm-hmm. my, when my husband and I started dating and got married we wanted to have a child together very badly. And it took four years to get to that point. And like I had said earlier, when we got home from the hospital with Charlie, our youngest, um, you know, we were, we were crying together on the couch and we're like, Oh no, we're not done yet. Like we, we definitely want to have another. And then as she got older, we're definitely at the point where like, okay, no, I think she completes our family. It is way too chaotic. It's, we already don't have enough room in this house for Mm -hmm. the people that we have. We don't want to, you know, we just, we know we're done at this point, but it's also Mm -hmm. like, it's a mixture for me of I'm already done having kids and I'm about to be in my thirties already. And that is a very scary thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I, I think I've come to terms with it in a way that I can be fine for now. I don't, I think I'm going to have to work through these emotions more at some point. Um, but I go through these like periods or moments where I have the realization of like, I'm done having kids. I'm never going to like when my best friend had her son two weeks ago, I had a moment on the way home where I cried to myself. Cause I'm like, I'm already done doing that. Like, how did that happen? Like yep. mm-hmm. I've been a mom for 10 years and I'm already like, I'm never going to have a, pre- like, I love being pregnant. I loved being in the hospital, having them. Like I really did truly enjoy the experience overall, even though I had some like hiccups and big things happen along the way, but it breaks my heart when I think about like, Oh, I'm already done. Like for some reason, that's the thought that like triggers me to get upset. No. And it's completely normal. And we're at the same phase Mm because that's how it is for me is I'm like, I've had traumatic bursts, but I'm like, overall, I loved being in the hospital. I loved having that, like all of that, the whole feeling. And like, Mm -hmm. then I'm like going through this part right now where I just got rid of my son's bassinet because I'm like, well, I'm not having another baby. And it's just like, you know what I mean? And it's, so I have been journaling myself and I'm like, I've always kind of thought, I'm like, should I, should I? And then I'm like, do I make it in the fourth? Do I make it its own journal? Yeah. And part of me wants to do it as its own journal because I feel like it deserves that I think that whether you do it in the fourth or the fifth I think it'll just be very powerful either way um because that's like just another piece of motherhood that I just feel like is very not talked about and I don't know I I I have so many like if you ever like have any questions or like need reference points for any like outsider perspectives about this specific topic, please let me know. Um, no, I will. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I know I just, I thought about like my default right now is 
oh, well, we're, what if we have another baby? We're just going to save it. We're like, I'm not okay. Letting go of that stuff yet. Um, and maybe I'll get to a point where like, I am, I don't know. Like I go through these moments too, where like, I'm so fed up with looking at stuff where I'll just throw it out. Then that's kind of where I get rid of some of that, like baby stuff that I know I'm not going to use anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's just, it's so hard. But I 1000% appreciate what you're doing and I am going to be sharing it all over my personal and business social medias. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see how the launch of the other ones go. When are you planning to release those? So our second one will be launched right before Christmas. Oh my gosh, and, uh, that's perfect. Yeah, and, and then the third one will just follow shortly after the new year so yeah amazing well i can't wait to keep up with all of that um what are some things you're doing right now outside of the journaling um so i am currently loving hiking oh my gosh <laughs> so no way okay my thing um i have like my husband got me like some nice hiking boots because it's like <laughs> you need them yeah yeah for sure but, so I've just been like searching new routes to go on. Like, it's just been fun. I love hiking. It's a whole, it's my whole thing right now. <laughs> Are you brand new to hiking or have you always been like somebody who hikes? So back when I had my first child and he was like two, me mm-hmm. and my husband were like avid into hiking. That's all we did. Oh and my gosh, that's so cool. And take him with us like... And then we kind of just fell off and I don't really know why. It's one of those things you kind of just like, you know, and I'm like, I miss that. And he's like, so do I. So we are doing it again. Yep. (laughs) That's so cool. Do you take all the kids with you? No, for now, it's really just me and him. Um, Oh, good. That that would be far too much for me. (laughs) Yeah. We're trying to get our 10 year old to go just because we feel like he's at an age, you know, where he can just go on his own and he can come with us. But he's more into like Fortnite right now <laughs> oh girl okay does he ever play minecraft he did for a while and then he kind of switched over to Fortnite. my kids so. are obsessed with minecraft right now and i literally can't even handle it they like day in and day out can we play minecraft what about minecraft do you want to talk about minecraft and i'm like no i literally want to do anything other than talk about minecraft <laughs> My son, he's playing on the on the PlayStation. He's playing Star Wars on the PlayStation right now, and he heard me say that he just whipped his head around. My son, no, you're not. literally playing Fortnite right now, so I understand. He's asking me, "No, you're not playing Minecraft right now." Sorry, honey, we're gonna have lunch soon. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So you you get it. It's just that crazy phase. Well, I don't want to keep you up um, your entire morning. I don't want to take it all up. Is there anything else that you wanted to kind of chat with our listeners about before I let you go? No. Well, I guess there's one thing. Um, Hopefully next summer, this is the goal. Yeah. We are actually hoping to throw a postpartum awareness walk. Okay. Out goes. um, It would be in Park City, Utah. So if anyone wants, they're close by, whatever. Um, Of course, if it happens, I'll send you everything, you know. Yes. Um, So the goal of it is to actually help not just bring awareness, but raise money to help mothers going through it, whether that's financially, they need, you know, extensive therapy, whatever it might be. So that's Mm -hmm. what the goal of the walk is. So, okay. Count me in. Definitely send me, cause I actually flew out to, so this was my thing real quick. I'll tell you before I go. Um, 
So speaking of like just doing things for yourself, like making sure you find time for the things that you like to do. I have, so before we had Charlie, our youngest, um, I was trying to get more into like traveling for my photography. Like I, my goal as a wedding photographer is to photograph a wedding in every state before I retire at whatever age I retire from this. Um, and so I was three months postpartum with Charlie and I was like, I'm just going to book a, um, flight to Utah because that's where I want to go. I have always wanted to see the salt flat. So I was like, I'm just going to go. And he goes, my husband's like, all right, if that's what you want to do. So at three months postpartum, I, I am pretty sure people thought I was absolutely nuts for leaving my baby for a work trip, but I, I took a 48 hour trip to Utah. I took some pictures. I went to the salt flats. I got to experience that. And I freaking love Utah. So count me in sister. I am there. It is a beautiful place. So if it happens, I will show you some hidden gems. Yes. Oh my gosh, please do. And if like, even if I come out there, like I would love to maybe like take some photographs of the walk for the walk. Maybe we can set that up. Like, I think that'd be so fun and fresh to do. Yes. Love it. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Okay. Where can people find you on socials? So we have our TikTok and we have Instagram. They are both just at beautiful untapped. Beautiful. And then as far as our journal goes for the next little while, we're just going to keep it on Amazon. Amazing. I'm going to definitely buy my copy ASAP. Well, and then I will I report to you how it goes. Yeah. Yep. And then I, like I said, I will, I will be reaching out in regards to the uh, last journal where, you know, last child thing. So yes. Oh my gosh. I would love to support you. However, so please keep in touch. Perfect. Sounds good. All right, everybody. This has been another episode of the Strugglehood podcast. I will catch you all next week. Bye.